0: Special mention to those who aren't here, who no doubt are listening to the podcast. Thanks for joining in as well. Um, sorry you couldn't be here with us. Um, everyone's looking great, uh, and you're missing out a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, no, but it's uh, it's one of those tricky things, um, you know, deciding how we're going to spend our long weekends. You know, if we're sick, deciding should we, shouldn't we come to church? Or um, and really, like, we are faced with thousands of decisions every day. Um, One stat says that we face up to 35,000 decisions a day. Uh, And what I want to talk about this morning is, how do we make good decisions? How do we make good decisions? Um, Apparently, uh, millennials, so the generation I represent here, uh, we're known as um, uh, tinkers, uh, by author um, Robert Rothnow. Uh, He says that... um, uh, millennials, you know, previous generations uh, did things, they built things, they used things, but we tinker. We take our time to make decisions. We we um, try things on and and try different options and and procrastinate as long as we can. Um, apparently, the age of 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 fully finally transitioning into an adult is uh, thirty five now, <laughs> apparently, uh, and so there's this there's this whole thing of how do we make Decisions. Instead of putting them off, how do we make decisions, do something? Um, I reckon there's four types of decisions. I'll just turn this on. Four types of decisions, uh, and they'll come up in a sec. Uh, The first one is decisions of opportunities. So what opportunities do we take up? My, um, my family, we lived overseas uh, in Holland for a year, Canada for four years. And that was because the opportunities my dad had for work and, and how he responded to those opportunities. And that's why I have a Canadian accent. So when we're faced, when something presents itself to us, uh, we need to decide, do I take it? What do I do with it? Um, we have to make decisions that are situational. Um, when we find ourselves in a difficult or challenging situation, we need to decide how do we respond. Um, four years ago, I developed a cataract in my left eye, uh, which is something very unique for someone as young as I. Um, and I was faced with the well, Emily and I were faced with the difficult decision of what do we do with that? Do with it. Uh, my other eye was um, was fine. I still, I needed glasses, but. Uh, I could still see, Um, it was an expensive surgery to to correct it, and so we had to decide what what are we going to do in that um, situation. Uh, So when challenges and uh, situations present themselves, we need to decide how are we going to respond to it? Um, How are we going to get out of this or or, um, get through this situation? I did get the surgery, so that's why I don't need glasses anymore. Another um, decision is one uh, of responsibility, that we're responsible for other people, uh, and then we need to make decisions uh, that influence other people or other things, not just ourselves. So take uh, our son Josh, uh, for example. You know, this morning, Emily and I had to decide what's he going to wear, uh, what, what will he have for breakfast, those kind of things. But even you know, down the track, we're going to have to think about what school... Uh, he'll take? Um, how do we discipline him when he's out uh, late at night with his friends? All those kind of challenging situations. We're responsible for him, and we're making decisions uh, for someone else, something else. Uh, it's not just family, but also might be work uh, in, in the church context, um, in different uh, ministries or, or roles or tasks we have. We make decisions uh, on behalf of other people. And so when we're responsible for other things and other people we need to decide what is best for them how how are we going to direct them and finally we need to make decisions based on needs and we heard a bit about this from the van rossens they saw a need and they had to decide how are they going to respond to it um and so when we see a need yeah how are we going to respond to this need uh, are, are we the solution? Is something else the solution? Uh, what will I do? And so, um, yeah, we have all these different decisions that we face. And so how are we going to make them and make good decisions? And, of course, there's one, there's one option that's quite popular, is just do it, the Nike way, right? Just do it. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Don't think too much about it. As long as you're obedient to the law or as long as you're not hurting anyone, just do something, just do anything, um, now, there's, there's a, a slither of truth in this, like, you know, we can't procrastinate decisions for too long, and, and we can't just wait for writing in the sky to tell us what to do. We, we need to get up, make a decision, and commit to it. Uh, but does it matter what we decide, um, as long as it doesn't lead us into sin, or doesn't break God's command, or doesn't hurt other people? Does it matter what we decide, uh, as long as we're, you know, obedient to God's law? <clears throat> In one sense, it doesn't matter, all right, because we can't ruin God's plan. We can't make a decision that God would be surprised about, Um, and so God's always in control. So in in one sense, it it doesn't matter, but I'd say in every other sense, it does. It does matter what we decide. Um, You know, does God really just want us to float through life, uh, choosing whatever is just most convenient for us at the time? as long as we don't trip uh, up and break his law. You know, doesn't God have so much more planned for us? It's like, uh, I used to play soccer um, through high school and then um, indoor soccer for a number of years through uni and work. Um, it's like going out on the field and, and obeying the rules but not playing the game. So if, if I were to go out and you know, I don't use my hands, I don't intentionally trip other players and I start on the right side of the pitch and that's it, Am I playing a good game? Oh, you know, am I playing my best game? So just making sure that we obey the law uh, is it's kind of like the base level of living life. Uh, if we want to make good decisions, just doing something isn't the answer. And tinkering, uh, waiting and procrastinating and trying on different things, that's not the other. There needs to be another way. And that way... Is the way of wisdom. Um, that was Solomon's challenge. The guy who wrote uh, a lot of the wisdom literature, uh, King Solomon, who was the sec- or oh, the third uh, king. Of Saul, then David was the great king. Solomon was his son, and he ruled uh, Israel during the peak, really, of Israel's uh, uh, reign kingdom. Uh, but when he got, when he after he was coronated and became king, he came to God. And he said this, so it's on the screen. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, so great a people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. So that was Solomon's challenge. He knew he couldn't rule himself. He knew he couldn't just tinker and, and procrastinate and, and not do anything. And he knew he couldn't just charge in and do whatever he felt like. He needed God. And so he asked God for wisdom. Now, I'm, uh, I, I need to clarify something here. Like I'm not here preaching to you because uh, Mark wanted to find the wisest person on staff to, to deliver this message. <laughs> That's not the case. Um, I want the authority for what I have to say today, to come from the Word, to come from God's Word. So if you have a Bible in front of you, and if, uh, or if you bring out your phone and uh, wisely stay away from any other apps except for the Bible app, where would you turn? If you want to think about wisdom, where would you turn in the Bible? This is a question. Proverbs. Proverbs excellent. Uh, or Ecclesiastes or Job. We'll come back to them. Um, so we're going to look at uh, the book of Proverbs, which is a collection of teaching uh, and, and Proverbs that Solomon collected. Um, and before we jump into it, do I have these here? No, I don't. Uh, I'm going to give you three quick tips for reading Proverbs. Three tips. So, Proverbs, um, the first tip is to understand how the book is pulled together. The first nine chapters are the introduction. It's quite a long introduction to the book. And, um, and so that, you know, we're, we're really encouraged to read chronologically and read through. And, and the kind of the, the, the style of, of these chapters is like a father uh, trying to convince his children to listen to wisdom. Uh, and so, um, uh, well, as we read the book, the first nine chapters is like, a, like a, an apologetic or a piece of writing trying to convince us of the value of wisdom. And then the rest of the book is a series of collections of proverbs and writings, uh, not just from Israel, but from all over the world that are brought together to provide wisdom for God's people. So that's how it's uh, pulled together. The second tip is to know that these are proverbs, not promises. They're proverbs, not promises. Take Proverbs 10, verse 27. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Now, a quick glance in that and we go, oh, yeah, okay, that's, that makes sense. But thinking about it a bit more, you know, sometimes that's not actually true. So fearing God and following in His way might actually lead us to situations where we risk our lives. And of course, there are many wicked people in the world who are outliving uh, the righteous or the good people. And so that's not always true. This is not a promise. It's a proverb. So how are we meant to read these? Um, it's not like the law or, uh, you know, law passages which say thou shalt do this or thou shalt not do this. It's not a commandment. It's not prophecy that's, you know, thus saith the Lord and tells us exactly what's going to happen or give us a picture of what's uh, going to happen. Well, like I said before, this is more like a father walking through the world with his children saying, hey, Nick, do you notice this over here? Do you notice this? When... Um, Saturday mornings, uh, Emily works, and so I um, take care of our son, Josh, uh, by myself. And often we would go for walks um, around uh, the place where we live. And as we do, uh, one of my favorite things is to point out to Josh, Hey, Josh, look at that bus. Look at that flower. What color flower is it? It's a purple flower. And that's, what, that's a bit like what uh, God is doing through Proverbs. He's, t- he's taking a walk with us and uh, making observations of how the world works. And these are to be considered, uh, mold over, reflected on, and applied. So, um, like my old boss used to say, these are not, it's not to be read like a teacher consumes pizza. Sorry, a teenager. Uh, I'm sure teachers love pizza. But, <laughs> uh, the analogy works stronger with teenagers. You're not meant to consume it like a teenager consumes pizza, but we're to chew on it like a cow chews on grass. Just... Keep chewing and thinking about it, dwelling on it, chewing it like a cow chews grass. So there are Proverbs, not promises. The last tip is don't just read Proverbs. Don't just read Proverbs. Um, So one way to look at uh, how the wisdom literature is pulled together is reading Proverbs is helpful to understand wisdom in the ideal world. Then we might look to Job Uh, to understand wisdom in the real world where there's suffering and things don't always go to plan. And then Ecclesiastes, we might read, to reflect on uh, what's the point to life. And there's also, you know, uh, the Psalms fit under here as well. You know, how do we praise God in every situation? Song of Songs, how do we apply wisdom in relationships? And so, that's why in this series, we're not just looking at Proverbs. We're actually going to be um, tackling uh, Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be looking at all these books and seeing how they interact, and seeing what wisdom we can gain from these books so that we can all grow in wisdom. Uh, yeah, these books are meant to be read together. So, as a church, we're doing that. Now, on to wisdom. Uh, what is wisdom? That's actually a really tricky question. I've been thinking about it a lot recently, obviously preparing for this sermon. What is wisdom? I think it's easy to identify people who are wise, but to, to pinpoint why we think that is actually quite challenging. It's hard to pin down, like, like pinning jello on the wall um, or holding water in your hand. You, you, know, you, you might be able to capture some of it, but there's, there's other bits that play into it as well. So um, to build this picture, I want to draw wisdom from Proverbs, and we're just going to look at the first uh, few verses and then spring from there into a whole heap of other stuff in the book um, and think about what is wisdom. What is wisdom? So if you open your Bibles to Proverbs 1, um, and uh, I'll read the first six verses. So the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. For attaining wisdom and discipline. For understanding words of insight. For acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair. This is different top there, isn't it? To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying... The words of the wise and their riddles. So the the other the first these first few verses are like the introduction to the introduction. So it it highlights what the goal of this book is: is to gain wisdom. Uh, and there's heaps of different words used here to describe what wisdom is. And so have a look at verse two. It says. Um, to know wisdom and instruction, understanding words of insight. And so wisdom is about helping, uh, it's about how we think, how we think. Um, you know, insight is a bit like looking inside something, in, inside a situation, understanding the inner workings of a person or a thing or a situation. It's like knowing, um, you know, the mechanics of how our car works, it, what's inside. Um, Understanding what's below the surface. And so knowing what's really going on. And so wisdom is to help us grow and, and understand um, how things work. But it's not just that. It's not just about what we think or how we think. Verse 3, to, re- to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equality. Uh, so it's not just about what we think, but what we do affects our dealings. Um, and this makes sense if you think about what the word wisdom actually means and how it's used in the Bible, in Proverbs, but outside of the Bible, it's the same word that's used in Exodus thirty-five thirty-one when they talk about the skillful artists uh, that um, uh, build the tabernacle for the Israelites. It's the same uh, word used in Jeremiah ten nine, talking about the skillful goldsmiths. It's the same word used in Psalm 107, verse 27, for the know-how of sailors, of sailors being skillful in sailing. And so the word wisdom is the same word, same idea as skill. Uh, Wisdom is not just about brains, not just about moral, it's a skill, the skill of living for God. And so um, uh, this is how the book of Proverbs understands Uh, wisdom. So it's not about how we think. It's not just about how we think. It's about how we live. It's about how we live. And so we see this worked out in the first few verses. Uh, And then for the rest of the book, it's about wise acting in in righteousness, justice, and equality. It's how we live. It's for the young. Uh, give prudence to the simple. The word year there is not like simple as in stupid, but young or people new or growing uh, growing up. It's also for people uh, who are already wise and, and, and old. Uh, let the wise hear uh, and increase in learning. And so it's, it's for all of our lives, for every stage of our lives. It's not just about a thing. It's about how we live. It's not just about the big decisions in life, but the small things too. And so there's a whole heap of uh, proverbs given on a whole range of different issues, like working hard. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligence makes rich. Or parenting. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him and is diligent to discipline him. Uh, Integrity. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Uh, It's got tips on shopping, bad, bad, says the buyer, Uh, but when he goes away, then he boasts. Uh, It's got tips on friendship, faithful are the wounds of a friend, Uh, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And so it's not just about uh, moral issues or uh, intellectual issues, it's for life issues. Every part of our life falls under um, wisdom, that we can use wisdom to make decisions so, it's not, um, it's not a, just about how we think, it's how we live. It's not about us, it's about God. Uh, in, his, um, in his book, uh, The Good Life, uh, quite a famous um, bestseller, Hugh McKay talks about how we're all searching for this perfect utopia. Uh, we're constantly searching to perfect ourselves, to, to find the perfect life for ourselves. We want the perfect hair, the perfect outfit, the perfect car. Perfect home, the perfect partner, the perfect job, the perfect life, and uh, and so we we make decisions that that work towards that goal, and um like where we should live and what job we might take and whether to take up an opportunity or not or how to escape a conflict. It's all working towards that perfect utopia, and we do this subconsciously and consciously, um. And, but McKay makes the point that this self-serving decision making is what's driving us away from the perfect utopia. Uh, and, I, and I think we can even be serving ourselves when we're making apparently good decisions. Um, you know, we might uh, serve on a roster so that people can see and we can boast about that. Or we might um, uh, yeah, use things to for... We might do good actions, but for uh, selfish motivations... And that's backwards. That's backwards. God created us not to serve our own purposes, but to serve His. It's like, um, it's like uh, taking Scott's guitar. If he were to take it out and, and clean it and you know, restring it and tune it so it's perfectly, but then when it comes to playing it, he puts it back in the case. That's not what it's being used for. That's not what it was created for. In an orchestra, you only sound in harmony when you play the tune you were created to play. And so wisdom is not using God uh, to find what would, what would be best for us, to work towards that utopia for us. But, it's, but biblical wisdom is finding how we can work to find what's best for God, to serve God. And that's why it says in verse 7, um, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's knowing our place with God, understanding who He is, and living in harmony with Him and His purpose. A lot of people uh, compare the idea of fear, fear of the Lord as um, fearing the sea. So you might um, know like it's great to go, and, uh, go to the beach and have fun in the ocean, but actually you know that the ocean is so much bigger. There's dangers in there. There's power in that. Uh, that doesn't mean we, we don't interact with the sea and enjoy a great day on the beach. Uh, but we know our place in the ocean. We don't go swim out too far or we know our place. And with fear of the Lord, it's not just a healthy respect for God. It's actually knowing our place in His world. Our place in His world. The world He created and He created us to live in His world. And we see, uh, we see this in each um, type of decision I mentioned earlier. So thinking about uh, opportunity, how we might tackle this, these questions is not, um, not how does it serve me, but how can this serve God? Um, you know, Choosing a home, um, what house could I use to serve God's purposes of showing hospitality? Uh, responsible use of finances, honoring my family uh, rather than serving... My purposes. You know, when we're caught in a challenging situation, uh, it's not, you know, how can I get out of this so that I'm okay? But how can I maintain integrity and, and glorify God through this challenge? How will I trust that God is in control? And He will lead me through. Um, thinking about responsibility, when we're responsible over people, how can I lead uh, this person, this child, this situation, this job, Uh, to benefit God and to benefit those uh, below me rather than benefiting me? And of course, responding to needs. How can we uh, creatively meet these needs that we see all around us Uh, in faith that God will provide, not just for that, but for us as we're faithful to Him? We see this reflected in what Jesus says uh, in Matthew 6. Uh, Jesus... um, talking about uh, worrying and anxiety, he says, um, So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For pagans run around all after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need, him, need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so Jesus, what Jesus says about wisdom is, And decision-making is about seeking first his kingdom. So wisdom, in a way, is asking the question, how can I serve the king? How can I serve the king? And this is not just from what Jesus says, but how Jesus lived himself. You know, if we think about who, surely who could achieve that perfect utopia, that perfect life, and surely if anyone would make good decisions, it would be Jesus, the Son of God. You know, think you know, just running it through some worldly criteria. Did Jesus have a good career? Well, no. He left the family business uh, to become a roaming teacher. Did Jesus have a great home? Well, no. He he said himself, "Foxes have holes, uh, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." Did he have good friends? Well, kind of, but not really. Uh, In his time of greatest need, he was abandoned by his friends. Did he have a great life? Well, no. He gave it up. He gave it up. He was tortured and killed on a cross. Jesus didn't make decisions to serve his own needs. But instead, when it came to it, he, he said to his father, not my will, but yours be done. He laid down his own life to serve God's purpose and to save the world. And this is the very reason God raised him from the dead, and through him we all have life, eternal life. Jesus is the epitome of wisdom, because he lived, he died, he rose again to serve God's purpose, not his own. And so wisdom is not, it's not just a, a framework or a decision-making tool, but it's actually a posture we can have. You know, decision-making frameworks, are, are, they're helpful and good to use uh, to help us think through things and make decisions. But wisdom is having a posture of submitting to God, to knowing our place in His world. Being wise, in a way, is defaulting to serving the King. You know, that might mean uh, a variety of things. It might mean deciding to stay in your job even though It's a really toxic environment because God might be able to use you to bring light into that dark situation. It might mean uh, you don't marry that person just yet because you've got uh, areas to grow in first. It might mean that you choose a career that doesn't demand as much time uh, or energy so that you can invest in in family or um, in church or even just protect yourself from careerism. It might mean that in order to use your life to serve God, it might even mean giving up your life. That's what wisdom is. is It's not about how we think, it's about how we live. It's not about us, it's about God. It's not just a decision-making tool, tool, but a posture of submission to God. So that's a quick attempt at defining wisdom. Now thinking a bit more practically, how do we Gain wisdom. And how do we grow in wisdom? How do we gain wisdom and grow in wisdom? Um, uh, Proverbs, I think, gives four main ways to obtain and develop wisdom. And the first one is seeking, seeking wisdom. If you flip over to uh, chapter 2, it says, uh, just the first two verses, "'My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments in you, "'turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding.'" It goes on. So this proverb is talking about seeking wisdom. Um, now, taking a quick step aside, I know what Emily's beverage preference would be at any point during the day. Uh, I know first thing in the morning, she likes a hot coffee. She likes drinking it hot, not lukewarm. It's very important. Uh, early in the afternoon, it's uh, an iced latte or iced coffee. Um, in the evening, it's tea. Uh, preferably French Earl Grey, but um, English breakfast does the trick as well. You know, how do I know this? How do I know this? Um, it's because I've spent seven years, almost coming up eight years, being married to her. Uh, and it's not just, not just that I've spent so much time with Emily, but I've been observant of what she likes, what she doesn't like, what, what brings her joy, what brings her frustration. And so, if we want to gain wisdom, if we want to fear the Lord and know our place in His world, we need to be reading His Word. And it's not just about reading lots, but being observant as we read. So, picking up, what does God like? What doesn't He like? What what brings God joy? What brings God frustration? The Proverbs, it's clear, store up His commands, Uh, turn your ear to wisdom. And of course, as we make decisions, the Bible won't have the answers necessarily, but it will give us insight. So the Bible might not tell us what we should do for our job, but it does tell us how God cares for this world and how He works. Uh, The Bible doesn't tell us who we should marry, but it does tell us God's purpose for marriage. The Bible doesn't tell us uh, exactly what we need to know, but it does tell us of the person we need to know. And so often we might want a direct message from God or writing in the sky to tell us what we need to do to make a decision, but that's not how He works most of the time. Most of the time God wants us to apply wisdom, to fear Him, to know our place in His world, and to submit to His will. And that that means that spending time in His Word and understanding who He is, so that we know what brings Him joy, what brings Him frustration. We know who He is. And even, even times when God might speak to us directly, and I believe that does happen, that doesn't take away the responsibility of being wise in those situations. And so we gain wisdom by swimming in God's Word and being observant, of who he is and what our place is in his world. The second is practicing wisdom, practicing wisdom. Proverbs 14:8. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. but the folly of fools is deception. Right? If wisdom is a skill to be used through all of life, at every stage of life, then it's a skill to be practiced. Uh, in small things as as much, if not if not more, than relied on in the big things. So making, we need to be careful to make wise decisions in the small things in life, uh, like how we treat our friends, what we eat for breakfast, uh, when we choose to do uh, our, our chores or our homework, what time we leave work at the end of the day, uh, what we say to each other in public and in private. You know, this week you might uh, read a proverb and think about how you would go applying it. These things might seem small, like the language we use or or how we talk to our friends or um, those kind of things. But these decisions, and these small decisions, we practice wisdom. We practice submitting to God, and as we practice it, we become better at it. So that when a difficult decision comes along, we are experienced. In submitting to God. Wisdom is a skill to be practiced. So practice it. The next one is through discipleship. And we've just had a whole long series on discipleship. Um, and so again, the, f- the first part of Proverbs, the whole book, is from the p- perspective of a father imparting wisdom to his child. Proverbs 4, 1-2 says, Listen, my sons or my children, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain wisdom. I give you sound learning. Do not forsake my teaching. Excuse me. Wisdom, the skill of living life under God, the skill of submitting to Him in every situation is a skill that's passed on through discipleship. It's like a, a, dis, you know, a, a mentor or a discipleship relationship you might have. You know, that person is your coach, giving you encouragement in how to live for God in every aspect of your life. So whatever stage you're in, whatever role you're in, do you have that kind of relationship? Do you have a mentor or someone who can invest in you, impart wisdom to coach you in how you live? Are you a mentor to anyone? Are you coaching anyone in how to live, to submit to God in small things and in large things? And if you are, where are you drawing your wisdom from? And finally, and probably most importantly, wisdom comes from God. Uh, Proverbs 2.6 says, actually the, the rest of... Um, uh, if we go from verse 3, uh, which I'll read, Indeed, if you call out for is insight... And cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as if as as for silver, if you search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. And verse six: For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. We gain wisdom from God, from engaging with God, you know, reading His Word, as we've already talked about, but also through prayer, through worship, through gathering together under Him. James uh, 1 verse 15 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given unto you, given to you. If that promise, that is a promise, and that promise is clear. If we pray for wisdom, God will give it to us. God will give it to us. And I think... I think he does that by revealing to us who he is and helps us understand what our place is in God's world. And the more we understand God's person and his character, the more observant of who he is and and what brings him joy and what brings him frustration, the more we understand our place in his world, the more we fear God and the more we become wise and skilled in submitting to Him. And so wisdom is not just something we draw on when we need it, but it's a discipline, it's a practice, it's a posture, a skill to use in every part of our lives. Uh, We use it to determine what opportunities to take, we use it to navigate through difficult situations, we use it to lead others, and we use it to take every opportunity to be generous and to meet the needs around us. And to finish up, let me um, address a question that I have, and I'm sure many have, is what if we fail? What if, what if we're, we're stuck in a rut or what if we are foolish? What if we're a fool? I think that there's two, two things to remember for all the fools in the room, uh, myself included. The first is that there is grace for us. There is grace. Last week, uh, we were away on the young adult's camp. We looked at the book of Titus, and the book of Titus is all about grace. And Titus 3, uh, verse 3 says, For at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of uh, passions and pleasures. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of our righteous acts, but because of His mercy. There is grace for us fools. We don't have to get it right in every situation because God is a God of forgiveness. He's a God of grace. It's not about us getting it right. It's not about us living super wise life and always making the right decisions, you know, living by righteous acts, but living under His mercy. God is a God of grace. And so that enables us to live wisely because even though we're fools, God draws us out of that, and He forgives us and brings us to a place where we can make good, wise, godly decisions. He's a God of grace. So there's grace for us fools. The other thing is there is growth. There is growth. We are growing to be wise. Um, I remember a, a, a fun anecdote is, if you want to learn um, how sinful you are, just get married. Uh, <laughs> And the adage is, you know, as you put two people in uh, close proximity, you know, the real life comes out and uh, who you really are. And that's true. And, but, but the reality is not just about, like marriage is not just about exposing sin. It's not about that at all, really. But, but it's not just, it doesn't just expose sin. It grows you. Under God, um, it grows you. So reading Proverbs, like one symptom of reading Proverbs is you find how foolish you are. And that that will be a reality for all of us. A symptom of reading Proverbs is you find how foolish you are, but you're not left there. We grow. Uh, We grow to leave the sin behind. Um, Our sin or our foolishness is not just exposed, but God brings growth through His Word, uh, through His work in us by His Spirit. And so all of us are growing in our journey into wisdom so that we could use our wisdom, we could use every decision, not to serve ourselves or work towards our perfect uter- utopia, but to live for His kingdom, to serve the King. And so that's, that's our prayer as pastors, as, as we, we preach through Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. Our goal is to help everyone grow to be more wise. We'll be clear and honest with that but also to get an image and understanding of who God is and where we fit in His world. So I encourage you to, to open up Proverbs this week and, and maybe pick one a day and read it, mull over it and see how could you submit to God uh, in that situation and think about it, grow in it and grow to be wise. Uh, let me pray and then we'll sing another song